Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. This is a re-recording of a sermon preached on April 26, 2020, the third Sunday of Easter. Due to technological difficulties, we were not able to obtain an original of the recording. From today's reading from 1 Peter, Live in reverent fear during the time of your exile, so that your faith and hope are set on God. Purify your soul with an obedience to the truth so that you may love one another deeply and from the heart. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What are you looking for? Countless times Jesus asked some version of this question to people who approached him, to Andrew in John chapter 1, to the rich young ruler in Luke 18, to blind Bartimaeus in the Gospel of Mark, what are you looking for, he would ask. What do you want? What do you see? This is a question I'm asking in my own life as I've recently become aware of a habit that is counterproductive, at least when measured against Peter's reminder that our life must conform to the truth. And that habit is this. For the last few weeks, each morning, when my alarm goes off, before my feet even touch the floor, I picked up my iPhone and read just about every coronavirus news article that has been published, meaning that before my first sip of coffee, before I see my daughters or kiss my wife, before inhaling an intentional breath of gratitude or acknowledging the Lord's presence, I have anxiously put before me a long list of things to be scared of, countless theories of who is to blame, dire musings about the future, and a lot of self-righteous moral scolding. And in praying through today's gospel, I've come to see something about this new cycle, and I do fear being misunderstood, and so please take off your literalist ears and for a moment put on your symbolic liturgical, and theological ears. Only a fraction of what I read is true. For in the Bible, truth has a very high standard, and most of what I read falls well short of that standard. Now, to be very clear, I am not saying that facts aren't offered or that honest journalism does not exist. My sermon today has nothing to do with either, nor does the truth that Peter speaks of. But when I talk about something not being true, I'm not referencing the content of an article, but rather the spirit behind it. And what I consistently observe is a collective spirit that likes to blame, catastrophize, bully. I see a tendency to form tribes and allegiances, pitting ourselves one against another. I see a failure to be humbled by the many competing goods at stake and the complexity surrounding the many decisions that need to be made. 
And for the past few weeks, and I say this by way of confession, it is this spirit that I have taken in first thing in the morning. And this is something I intend to change in my own life. Because one of my deepest convictions about the church is that one of our primary tasks as individuals and as a group is to develop a desire and a capacity to see the world as God sees it, to seek first the kingdom of God, and to look for a world that is fully reconciled to God in Christ. Because theologically speaking, that world, where Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and now is seated at the right hand of God, where God is bringing all things to their perfect end, and where Christ is fully present with us right now. That is the world that God invites us to see and then to share with other people. Which, of course, brings us to today's gospel, where two men are walking home from their trip to Jerusalem, where they went to observe the Passover, and Luke is very clear that their hearts are so much heavier than whatever bags they are carrying. We are explicitly told that they are sad, and we can infer that they are also scared. And what I love about this story is the way that Jesus joins them while they are deep in discussion. And what are they talking about? They're talking about the news. What are you talking about, Jesus asks. Oh my God, haven't you heard, they say? There was this guy named Jesus, and he was the best man that ever lived, and our crooked leaders betrayed him, and he was crucified, and we had hoped that he was going to save us, but clearly he's not. And on and on they go, talking about how the world is falling apart. But here is the wonderful news embedded in this passage Jesus joins them on their journey, and Jesus joins them in their fear. In other words, they might not see Jesus, but Jesus sees them. And they might feel deeply sad and alone, but God incarnate walks alongside them nonetheless. And I say that because this passage from Luke is not first and foremost a moral lesson on how we might see Jesus. No, it is a definitive statement that Jesus sees us, that the risen Christ breaks into our fear and into our sadness, that the risen Christ breaks into our obsession with the news cycle, and that he longs to give us the real story the story of resurrection, the story that it was necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory so that he could take the whole world with him. And so here is the first thing I'm going to ask you to see this morning. If only through the eyes of faith, you are seen by God. You might not be looking at God, or like the two men in today's gospel, you very well might be looking at God and not know it. All that is secondary to the real story that God in Christ is always looking at you, and that he sees you, and that he loves you, and that the risen Lord is always eager to break into your fear and into your life and to give you the real story. 
or what Peter just calls, the truth. And to be clear, this is how it always happens in the New Testament. In our blindness, Jesus brings sight. In our falsity, Jesus brings truth. In our despair and our sadness, Jesus brings hope. In fact, there is not a single resurrection appearance in the Bible, not a one, where the disciples are sitting in a circle, all calm and serene, meditating in the lotus position with incense and candles burning in their midst where Jesus shows up and says, Hey guys, great job, keep it up. That never happens, but no, it's when people are afraid and lonely and scared, when they're racked by shame and fear and doubt. This is always when the risen Christ seems to show up. And of course, to even say that Jesus shows up is misleading, as if Jesus were here one minute and gone the next. In fact, at the beginning of this passage from Luke, we're told that while they were talking, Jesus came near. But that is a really bad translation of the Greek where the verb comes in the imperfect tense. Now, the imperfect verb tense is not part of the English language, which is why it's really hard to translate, but essentially in Greek, the imperfect tense was conceived of as a state of existence or an action revealed in the present, but that was still going on in the past. In other words, it's not that Jesus wasn't with these two men, and then all of a sudden he was. No, Luke is making the point that he was with them the whole time. And that only when Jesus allows them to see do they notice his visible bodily form. And of course, at the end, we're told that Jesus vanishes like some magician. But again, bad translation. In our vernacular, when something vanishes, it's gone. But the Greek word doesn't mean vanish. It means to become invisible. My point is that in today's gospel, Luke goes to great lengths to communicate what I see as a core truth about our life, namely that Jesus is walking beside us right now. Invisible? Yes. Only revealing himself as he chooses? Yes. But still, undeniably present. And so are we looking for him? Because as 1 Peter tells us today, we are to live in fear, in reverent fear during the time of our exile. And please don't think the fear being spoken of here is the same fear engendered by our obsession with the news cycle, nor is the fear being spoken of ultimately about us being afraid and unable to act. It's really about a deep reverence. It's a fear that enables a willingness to look for what is true. It's a willingness to see our fellow human beings, all of them, as deeply worthy of dignity and compassion. And it's a reverent fear that allows us to love one another deeply and from the heart. And to engage in this work of loving one another deeply We have to see the kingdom, look for the kingdom. But again, to engage in this work of seeing differently or looking for the kingdom, we start 
with a very simple awareness that we are seen by God and that the risen Christ walks with us. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.